Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me as, well, normally he sits next to me, but today we're sitting across from one another. It's senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. You know, this uh, this new podcast uh situation here where you're actually sitting across from me is totally throwing me off. Really? Yeah, it's it's kind of creepy. I just wish they hadn't put razor blades in the chair. I just wish. Because it's really uncomfortable. I just wish you didn't have dead eyes. Well, you know. So let's uh <laughs> let's start off this podcast on a positive note. All right, um, then. You mean, gonna, should we start it over then? <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to keep going. We're yeah. one take, darn it. Don't yeah. you remember we do yeah. this in one take? Yeah. I just wish you'd respect my privacy. Oh, well, I'm. You know, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I I try to respect everyone's private information, just like one of our favorite social media networking sites. Oh? Yeah, why don't we lead in with a little listener mail, because I've got some for you. Okay. So here's some listener mail. 
This comes from Anne Marie, who says, Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Chris. I enjoy your podcast and would be interested in hearing a podcast about just how much information Facebook apps can draw. I think many folks would be interested in hearing about just how much info can be pulled by the apps and games, even if you set your privacy settings to not send out much info. Thanks for the great work, Anne-Marie. So today we're going to talk about Facebook applications, your privacy, and how these three things come together to essentially... Devour your privacy. I was going to say, they don't. Everywhere. Yeah, they no. don't no, come your privacy, together. Your privacy pretty much goes out the window. Yes. Um, and I don't think most people do want to know. I think most people don't want to know. First of all, let's step in the Wayback Machine. Uh, in fact, I expect to hear amazing time-traveling special effects. So let's, let's revel in that. I, I bet there will be some. Wasn't that nice? Hey, that's cool. Boy, that's no pressure to Liz at all, is it? <laughs> Sorry, Liz. But anyway. We know you'll come up with something great. We've set the, oh, you know, I totally forgot to set the timer. We're going to have to do it again. Oh, uh, okay. No, no, no. We'll just, we'll just imagine that we did. So let's go back to when Facebook first premieres. And of course, it's originally for college students. Eventually it gets rolled out to high school students. And then a little bit later, it gets rolled out to the rest of us who graduated long ago and, uh. And took over, actually. <laughs> yeah. And so at this point, Facebook does not have any third-party applications. Nope. Uh, it had a lot of uh, applications that Facebook developed for themselves uh, in partnership with other people in some cases or other companies. But, but you're thinking was, before May 2007. That's right. So before May 2007, you had basic applications like being able to share photos and things like that. Uh, but Ooh. but that was about it, mm-hmm. right? And so Facebook was the only entity you were dealing with in that in that case. And then in May 2007, Facebook starts to talk about its uh, application developer program where they start to allow third parties to develop applications to run on Facebook. Facebook would act as the platform and the applications would run on top of it. The applications themselves would exist on other servers. Yep. So it's not Facebook's servers that are running these other apps. And these could be practically anything that you can imagine. And a lot of the early apps were things like, you know, uh, zombies, pirates, ninjas. Like you could, you could play games where you're tagging people to become zombies or pirates or ninjas or whatever. Or zombie pirate ninjas. Your friend just bit you. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you want to join werewolf wars or whatever it was? And so, um, poke. Well, poking was around before. Because that was a Facebook thing, I think. Yeah, well, but there was there super poke. Super poke is different, yes. A super duper poke. Yes, yes. All the different poke variations. Um, so those kind of explode onto the scene. And what people may not have realized at the beginning was that by opting into these applications, they were essentially giving these third parties access to all of their information and according to the terms of service, those third parties could pretty much do whatever they wanted with that information. Yep. And not only was it your information, it was links to your friends' pages as well. Yep. And in some cases, at least, the developer would be able to access your friends' pages even if your friends had set their profiles to private. Right. So let's say that you have set your profile to private. I have. Okay. Well, this – this is very fitting. All right. So for those of you who have set your profiles to private, I imagine that one of the reasons for that is so that you were not targeted by third parties, uh, by people who are just, you know, wanting to sell you something or whatever. You just want your Facebook 
experience to be you and the friends that you have chosen to uh, contact and and connect with through Facebook. Right. You don't want anything beyond that. Uh, the problem with these apps is that if any of those friends that you have connected with were to install one of these apps on their uh, on their Facebook profile, that third party developer would now be able to read your information as if he or she were one of your friends. Mm hmm. So this is a problem. Obviously, it's already that's a violation of privacy right there. Yep. Now, what kind of information are we talking about? Well, anything that you might have given Facebook. Right. So any yeah. of your, you know, sexual preferences or relationship you know, your, status, um, your the way you vote, movies you like. Yep. TV birthday. Shows you like. That's a big one. Your oh, birthday, yeah. your gender. Um, well, none of that could be used for uh, any kind of uh, identity theft. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. not like social security numbers. <laughs> it could. However. It could very easily be used in some cases for identity theft, actually. But I was I was being yeah. facetious. I, I understand. But sometimes we have to spell these out because otherwise I get listener mail. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, it could be used for identity theft. But even if it's not used for that, it can be used. The, these third party developers could sell your information to vendors who are targeting advertising at you. Yep. And again, you have no say in this because it's all part of the terms of service in the, the applications. And, and furthermore, in the early days of apps, one of the biggest problems was that applications that had absolutely no need to access all of that information by default, we're getting all of that information. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be like, hey, I want this cool application that lets me give virtual balloons to my friends. And suddenly, you know, you're, you're, you install that application and you've just handed over your information, including things like your relationship status and your sexual orientation and right. your job history and your education history. Why do they need that if all you're doing is handing over a picture of a balloon to one of your friends? Yes, yes. That's true. Or, you know, if you wanted to find out which Harry Potter house you belong to. Yes. Oh, don't even get me started on quizzes. <laughs> All right. So anyone who has befriended me on Facebook probably knows that I I harbor a deep-seated hatred for, for quizzes on Facebook. I think that they are the most irritating app to come out of Facebook or out of any third party developer, I should say, because again, Facebook is not the one developing this. They're just providing the platform. Um, it's one of the most irritating things to come out, uh, in the Facebook realm ever. Um, I, I, I hate seeing them. First of all, I think pretty much every quiz will tell you, no, the result will tell you what you wanted to hear in the first place. Yes. So you don't learn anything new about yourself by taking one of these quizzes. Okay, you're not going to learn that, hey, you know what I learned today? I'm a Slytherin. <laughs> no, if you're a Slytherin, no, I knew that darn well you, Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm Slytherin through and through. I mean, we all know this. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's the, you know, dark mark. I'm all about it. You know, that's going to be my next tattoo. So the, uh, but that's the thing is that it wouldn't tell me something I didn't already know. Right. You know, I, I'm going to answer these. And, and a lot of people, I'm guessing, are answering these quizzes in such a way so that they'll get the result they want. Sure. You know, like sure. they're like, oh, I don't want to be Cyclops. I want to be Wolverine. So I'm going to choose this answer because that's more of a Wolverine answer. Yep. So because anybody can write these quizzes. And so they're often very, very transparent to begin with. Right. Now, that's another interesting thing is yes. that people can write these quizzes mm -hmm. using different apps. Now that you have to install the app again through Facebook to be able to write these quizzes. 
So first of all, you're giving a third party developer access to your information because you want to write a quiz. Mm-hmm. And then they're getting information from everyone who takes that quiz because they're the ones who develop the tool for the quiz itself. The information's not coming back to you. Right. When people take their quiz, it's going, and I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, their results. No one, no one over at the application cares about what the results are. They care about that personal data. Yep. So the people who make the applications that allow you to create quizzes, they've got enormous databases full of information because mm-hmm. every, so many people are creating quizzes and taking quizzes. See, that's one of the things that, uh, you see if you do a lot of reading about social networks as Jonathan and I have is that uh, a lot of people see the value in companies like Facebook and Twitter and MySpace is not in the website itself, but in the information about the subscribers because they're able to market to those people and the, the amazing demographic information that they've got at their disposal. Um, that's the real value of the company. Mm-hmm. So basically any of that information that gets uh, distributed to other parties also gives them you know, the same, the same or similar types of power. Of course, um, some of that's changing. You know, I actually, uh, saw right before we came in, I saw an article on, uh, Computer World, uh, that Tony Bradley had written. Um, there's a company in Seattle called App Bank, and they are going to help people write apps, essentially. Um, it's an, you know, you can actually create your own apps and quizzes using their platform mm-hmm. and, uh, basically, they get a cut of whatever money you make with your app or quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of interesting because I don't know if that information, I, you know, not to put, I, I don't know what AppBank's motives are. I would assume that they are a legitimate, you know, organization that is, you know, involved in and in trying to create and uh, cash in on their ability to help you make applications because the applications themselves, um, you know, there are quite a few legitimate applications out there for Facebook and they are making, you know, money for those developers. So, you know, I don't, I don't think at bank, uh, is, is trying to do anything nefarious, but that doesn't stop anybody from signing up for, you know, for their services and trying to get information that way. So, you know, they're going to have to be very careful, I think. Right. I, I think it's important for any person using Facebook to understand that when you install an app, on your Facebook, um, you are essentially giving that vendor access to your profile as if you were befriending that person. Yep. Um, keep that in mind. So if you post stuff on your Facebook that, you know, you don't mind if your friends see it, but you don't really want anyone else to see it. Mm-hmm. Remember that before you start installing apps, because you are essentially giving that, that entity the same rights as your friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, like the whole, if you set your, your status to private and someone else, uh, installs this app and allows the vendor to look in at you, that would probably upset you. I mean, mm-hmm. it would upset me and it's true. I mean, it totally can happen. Um, this has caused lots of issues for Facebook. There was one point where Facebook said, uh, Facebook executives were saying that, uh, they were going to change the app development process so that Apps would only be able to access the information they absolutely needed to have in order to function the way they were supposed to function. You know why that is? It's because uh, groups like the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, and uh, you know the Canadian Internet Policy and Public Interest Clinic have been putting pressure on Facebook to change their policies. It's called Facebook, eh? I knew you were going to do that. 
You love I, you love listener mail from Canada. I've don't got you? I've got more to say about Canada in a little bit, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, apparently Facebook was retaining information from accounts that had been closed. And, uh, that's, you know, against the law in, Ca- in Canada. Right. There was, there so, was I mean, one point where I saw, stuff. I saw a, a claim from a Facebook executive that was made to someone who writes it for CNET. I apologize because I, I, this is from memory. It's just from an article I've read ages ago, but I remember that the executive said that, they Facebook was certain that once that the data that the vendors had wasn't being used for any uh any well, you know underhanded purposes mm-hmm. and the reporter's response was there's no way Facebook would know that because once the information leaves your servers right you don't know what how it's being used i mean mm-hmm. you you can maybe hopefully weed out the obvious bad apples from the bunch but there's no guarantee that any particular vendor is behaving the way it should, uh, based upon the the general policies. Of course, um, that's not limited to you know social media. That's you know. Well, sure, I'm, sure. But the the point being that you know Facebook really couldn't make this guarantee that the data was being. Oh no, you know, no. But and that yeah, was, their that intentions was sort of are good, approach. but but they don't know. They now let's, no let's talk quickly about Beacon since that just recently uh, came yes. to an end. Beacon, 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 Beacon. So Beacon was this uh, this this concept that Facebook came up with that was almost universally um, decried. They had people just hated the idea of beacon. Anyone who was like really looking into the privacy issues anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's the, what beacon did was it was a, a, a kind of an application that would, was automatically part of Facebook, right? You didn't opt into this. In right. fact, you had to opt out of it and, Facebook doesn't necessarily make things easy to opt out of. You have to really know where to no, look. Stop. <laughs> yeah, you have to really know where to look in order to change certain privacy settings and do things like opt out of applications like Beacon. And the idea behind Beacon was that it would link your activities through various sites to your Facebook account so that you could uh, presumably keep your friends up to speed with what it was you were interested in. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind here is kind of, you know, that's kind of nice is the idea is that, you know, you can, if you're interested in a, in a book series, for example, you would automatically let people know that, Hey, you just purchased the latest, you know, in this, in this series of books. Right. Right. So people could say, Hey, you know, maybe I should read that because he's a cool guy. I like his taste and he's reading this now. Well, it's a, it, it sort of serves two purposes. I mean, one, you've got the uh, the social networking aspect of it where you're sharing cool stuff with your friends. Hey, I just checked out this cool new CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have the company on the other end who goes, hey, and you can buy it from my store right now. Right. For just eleven ninety nine. Not only that, but again, more targeting ag- advertising because they start seeing what individual people like to purchase, and then <clears throat> they can target ads specifically at you based on that. And, and and it makes sense. You'd go, okay, well, they probably won't mind this as much because we're adding sort of a social uh, flavor to it, and maybe it'll get people to and, to be cool with and it. And it's kind of like I think it was kind of presuming that this way it takes out the middleman. Like, yeah, you know, you would probably want people to know that you are sure. reading this series, so we're just going to take that that extra step of you having to type it out, and we're just going to make that automatic. What could possibly go wrong with All right, this? So here's some here's some issues that Facebook may issues? not have thought about before they implemented this, or if they did think about it, they didn't think about it hard enough. One is that let's say that you're searching for something that you don't necessarily want the world to know that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you're uh, buying a book on cancer treatments. 
Okay. Okay. That's a very serious thing. Sure. It's a very personal issue. And now suddenly, if it goes to your Facebook that so-and-so just bought, you know, living with cancer book. Now all these people who may not have known whether, you know, whether it's you who are suffering through this or you're buying it for someone else that you sure. care about. You don't want all your Facebook friends to suddenly go, Oh my God, are you okay? If you're not ready to talk about that kind of thing, especially if it's not, you know, your own condition and it's someone else's. Right. You don't want every, the whole world to know that you just bought this book. Mm -hmm. So there's that. There's that kind of privacy issue. And of course, there's also, you know, if you were buying something a little more lascivious, let's say the heaving bosom, for instance, <laughs> now in hardback. Oh. Um, if you wanted to go and purchase the heaving bosom, uh, you know, it, then next thing you know, everyone knows you bought this and you're going to withstand tons and tons of teasing for the rest of your natural life. Please stop. Look, it was for a relative. Anyway. Sure it was. Or let's say you were purchasing it for someone, a gift, a surprise for that person. But it's not a surprise anymore because it was published on Facebook. That is a good point. So that's a very good reason right there. Yeah. There are plenty of reasons that have nothing to do with, oh, well, you know, it's all the people who are worried about their, you know, their porn getting out there on Facebook. No, it has nothing to do with that. I mean, for some people, sure, I'm sure it has something to do with that. But it goes well beyond just those kind of like he, 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 he's a naughty boy kind of, of comments. Right, right. right. You know, there are a lot of legitimate reasons why. A, a perfectly innocent purchase, you would not want that to be broadcast across the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. And Facebook is pretty broad. I mean, there's millions, hundreds of millions of users. So Beacon got a lot of complaints starting off the, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. uh, actually ended up – there ended up being a class action lawsuit leveled against Facebook uh, – by a, by a group of users who all claim that Beacon was violating their privacy. And that, uh, for instance, the, the main crux here was an issue with Blockbuster. Okay. So that was one of the vendors that was partnered with Beacon. If you were to rent a movie from Blockbuster, it would put, send that out on your Facebook feed and suddenly everyone knows that you just rented, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm -hmm. which is best movie ever made, by the way. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, Big Trouble in Little China, Godfather 2. Um, I haven't so seen that one either. You haven't seen Godfather 2? No. Oh, my God. All right, wait. I got to take a moment. <laughs> I don't know that I can continue just off the bat. All right. So anyway, we'd broadcast this. Well, that's technically against the law. Uh, companies like Blockbuster are legally obligated to keep that information private. Yeah, it's, it's in this specific instance. Yeah. Right. It's not all media. It's... And, and this broke a specific law. Right. A specific law that states that that vendors that rent out films cannot publish what people are renting, what specific people are renting. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be able to say, like, this is the most popular rental this month, but that's different because it's anonymous. You're not saying Bob Smith rented this this month. Mm -hmm. So – Anyway, that, that class action lawsuit eventually led to Facebook saying, whoa, sorry, we totally did not think this through before we pushed Beacon out the, the door. And, uh, they, they quietly discontinued it. And then in September of 2009, they officially killed it. Uh, now Facebook Connect, which is a new service on Facebook, does a lot of the same things, but it's all opt in. Mm -hmm. You can choose what you, you share with Facebook Connect as opposed to it being, you know, the default 
So that's, that's a good step. But yeah. I mean, it does a lot of the same things. So if you're using Facebook Connect, just be aware that it's essentially the same thing. It's just now they're, they're doing it with your permission as opposed to just assuming you're okay with it. Right, right. You know, there, uh, there actually have been, um, some applications that have asked for, uh, very sensitive information like credit card numbers, et cetera. And, um, you gotta wonder what they're gonna do with that. Um, you really shouldn't wonder. Just don't use those. Yeah, that's, I've that's actually seen a, an article by, by somebody who didn't realize that it had nothing to do with, you know, um, they were giving away their, uh, very personal information. And, yeah. Uh, they're like, no, no, you really shouldn't be giving them that yeah. kind of stuff. Giving, adding those kind of applications gives them way, the vendors way too much power over your information. Whether they're planning on doing anything with it or not, that's beside the point. Now, mm-hmm. Some some applications are actually phishing scams. They're trying to get your personal information so that they can either commit identity theft or they can do a credit card fraud or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, looking to see what kind of information they're asking for and thinking about it before you just agree. That's that's key. You know, I mean, even if Facebook really buckles down and tries to prevent as much uh, uh, hanky-panky as possible, stuff's going to get through because mm-hmm. we're talking about thousands of applications being added all the time. And Facebook can't police all of them. If they did, then it would suddenly be a, a huge nightmare for Facebook. I mean, you you know, they, they I'm sure they don't even have the manpower to do that. Right. So unlike Apple's App Store where they, they review each app, thoroughly before it goes live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much time Facebook can spend looking at each individual application before it goes live on, on the site. Um, and a part of their philosophy was that the hive mind would kind of sort out what's good and what's not good, that people would adopt applications that are fun and useful and they would ignore the ones that are kind of fishy. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. Because if you look at some of the pictures people post to Facebook, I would say that some people don't have that critical thinking skill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm just saying, if you have a picture of yourself unconscious with a bottle of booze laying next to your head as your profile picture, you may not have the critical thinking skills necessary to determine what is and is not a good application. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, employers look at Facebook Potential employers look at Facebook, pretty sure a picture of you passed out next to a bottle is not going to be the kind of thing that most employers are going to be looking for, unless you're interviewing for Maxim or something. <laughs> All right, then. But um, so I said I was going to get back to Canada. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you'd forget about that. No, no, no. I've remembered, eh? Oh, so no. the Privacy Commission in Canada oh, yes. had major issues with Facebook um, and took these issues to Facebook and demanded that Facebook make some uh, changes. And the very first thing they, they raised, the first issue they raised was third party application developers. So let me just read this. This is a a quick overview of what happened and what Facebook says it's going to do. The sharing of personal information with third party developers, creating Facebook applications such as games and quizzes raises serious privacy risks with more than one million developers around the globe. The commissioner is concerned about a lack of adequate safeguards to effectively restrict those developers from accessing users, personal information, along with information about their online friends. Facebook's response. 
Facebook has agreed to retrofit its application platform in a way that will prevent any application from accessing information until it obtains express consent for each category of personal information it wishes to access. Mm-hmm. Under this new permissions model, users adding an application will be advised that the application wants access to specific categories of information. The user will be able to control which categories of information an application is permitted to, to access. There will also be a link to a statement by the developer to explain how it will use the data, which I think is kind of interesting. That's that's the first I'd ever heard of that, about a link to actually say, this is why we need the information that we're requesting. Mm-hmm. Um, no telling when this will co- take effect, but apparently Facebook says they'll totally do it. Okay. Um, if you're curious, the other elements that the Privacy Commission was concerned with was uh, deactivating – Versus deleting accounts mm-hmm. on Facebook because if yeah. you deactivate, you haven't deleted. You're just you're just stepping back. We know some of your information stays out there. Well, Things that, w- that you've written on other people's wall, right? You know all that kind of stuff. If their accounts are still active, that that material is still there. Well, the, and that was part of the issue was that they were stating, you know, Facebook really needs to define the difference between deactivating and deleting, make mm-hmm. it clear to the user mm-hmm. and make it easy for a user to choose whichever option he or she wants. Cause again, it ain't easy to find this stuff. You got to really hunt around. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's, you know, the whole purpose of the site is to connect people to each other. So it kind of, you know, making it easy to pop out of that is antithetical to their business model. Um, the other two elements were personal information of non-users, so people who don't actually use Facebook but are visiting Facebook to look at whatever, mm-hmm. and what to do with the accounts of deceased users. Right. Which we've talked about a little bit. Yeah. You know, what happens to your uh, online identity when you, you know, shuffle off the mortal coil? I actually have invisible. I've, I've been doing some research on that. I, I want to hit that again in greater detail. Yeah, we're going to do another really podcast, like do I think, because that is a really interesting, it's becoming more and more relevant because yeah. as, as, uh, the, the current generation, that's really the movers and shakers of, of what's going on today and future generations, which are going to be even more integrated with the online world. It's, this stuff's kind of important. Yep. Um, so anyway, good on you, Canada, for taking yeah, Facebook to task absolutely. and holding them responsible for this kind of stuff because, you know, it's just – it's and, and hopefully this will these will be policies that will roll out worldwide and it won't just be for our Canadian friends. Yeah. Because then we'll be like, why do they get all the privacy, eh? Really, you need to stop. Okay. I like poutine. Ew. What? Nothing. Oh, now you're going to get mail now. Hey, you know that- – <laughs> Because you just you just denigrated a a national food, buddy. I don't like a lot of American national foods. This so is there. true. Chris is a very picky eater. So, anyway, that's not even a joke. So, let's boil it down. Okay. Facebook apps. Yes, they do get access to your information. Uh, depending upon the application, it may get access to a lot of your information. What they do with that information is pretty much up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're okay with your information being spread throughout the World Wide Web and being used for things like targeting advertising or whatever, feel free to use those applications. If you're a little more concerned about your privacy, you might want to cut back a bit on the application use. Um, Especially applications that you don't know who's behind it. Right. And quizzes, just stop doing them. Stop doing quizzes. 
Cause really they're, they're so irritating to have those pop up and feed, fill up my friend feed so that I can't read any statuses cause I have to find out which hobbit my buddy is. You, uh, you read friend feed? I'm stunned. My, my friend, the, my news feed where all my friend statuses pop oh. up, not friend feed. Dot com. No, I very rarely go to FriendFeed. Except they um, were acquired by Yeah, Facebook. Facebook. So, so we'll see how that works out. <laughs> but uh and yeah, like I said, the quizzes don't really tell you anything you didn't already know, so it's useless anyway. Please stop taking them. Okay. That's thank you. I hey. just blocked all of them. So. So I, I do too, but the, a new one pops up every day. At yes. least one. And I've got They're friends like who will take like six or seven at a time. So yeah. you'll just bloop, bloop, bloop. And uh yeah. I wanted to create a uh a quiz that said, what kind of Facebook user are you? And no matter what answers you put in, the result would be, you're the kind of jerk who likes to take Facebook quizzes. You know, somebody's going to do that now. Well, I can't because the quiz tool that I wanted to use specifically stated that you can't use the term Facebook in your quiz because they want to protect their, their corporate identity. Okay, then. So even if I had created one, it wouldn't have worked out. And so uh, you guys are spared my, my uh, snarky quiz. Well, that's about all I have about Facebook apps and privacy. Okay. So I guess this takes us to our second installment of Listener Mail. And this Listener Mail comes from Nosh. I hope I'm saying that correctly because I don't have a pronunciation guide. Hi, I'm Nosh. 12 years, 9 months, and 26 days old. Wow. And I'm from Vietnam. How are you guys doing? I really like your podcast, so just keep on rocking. I would also like to thank you guys for putting in the effort to make a great and enjoyable podcast. But I have a request. And could you guys simply, at the end of every podcast, provide a short and brief summary covering all the main points that you guys were talking about so I can memorize them more easily? Thanks. Well, thank you so much for that email. It was very nice of you to write. Um, we tried to sum up a little bit just then because, uh, yeah, summing up is is useful. The challenge for us is that we don't script these podcasts out at all. Nope. Chris and I sit down, we've done our research, and then we just talk out through a, uh, you know, whatever the topic is, talk around it and give it context. So it's challenging to sum up at the end because it's just a conversation. So it's, it's, for one thing, I have to remember what I've talked about for the last 25 minutes. <laughs> and I have trouble remembering what I said two minutes ago. So, But we will see what we can do. We'll try and be as clear as possible because we do understand the, the need for that kind of uh, summary. Yep. If any of you have any comments, questions, concerns, anything like that, not no no uh, tech questions that, like my computer is not doing this. Yeah, no tech support. No please. tech support. <laughs> but any other kind of questions, you can write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. If you want to learn more about Facebook and different kinds of applications, you can read about that at howstuffworks.com. Crispy and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. 
So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.